1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Two thousand years ago when Jesus Christ came to earth, it could be said that he was the first missionary, having been sent into the world by the Father for the purpose of providing salvation. Once his work was accomplished, he, the first missionary, became the first missionary sending agency, sending his disciples into the whole world to preach the gospel. The disciples became the apostles, that is, sent ones or missionaries. Clearly, Jesus was passionate about missions. The dominant theme of his ministry during the 40 days he was on earth after the resurrection was the task of world evangelization. We call this the Great Commission. In his book, The Church is Bigger Than You Think, Patrick Johnson says, Scripture, theology, the church, and even Christians would not exist without mission. For Christians, mission is not an optional extra for the fanatical few or the specially anointed. It is the fundamental definitive of who we are in Christ and why we are in Christ. Or as someone else has said of missions, Jesus' last command is our first priority. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: Hello and welcome to another week of what we hope will be some very helpful discussion. Phil's my name and this week we're on the subject of sharing the gospel. And Ken, as you say, the Great Commission is very clearly something God wants us to prioritise. But I guess it's just the danger that uh, we can do it out of the wrong motive. For example, we can just you know do it out of a sense of duty or to ease our conscience. Uh, you know, I've witnessed to someone today, so now I'm off the hook, that kind of thing. Yes. In fact, we can do anything in our Christian
1: walk in that way. You know, we can read our Bibles, pray, go to church from a wrong motivation. But earlier I mentioned that Jesus was passionate about missions, but it's important to understand where that passion came from. God doesn't want us to get hyped up about the cause of missions purely on the basis of zeal alone. Cults and advocates of false religions are zealous, but it's not a zeal that originates with God. We can say like Paul said I think of the fanatical Jews they have a zeal but not according to knowledge mm. so it's important to understand that Jesus's passion flowed from something much deeper and that is his compassion he was deeply moved with the plight of mankind he he was saddened by what sin has done to the human race so the heartbeat of world missions really is the love of God you know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and you remember Paul said you know though I give my Goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, then it profits me nothing. And we could say the same about evangelism, about world missions, though I do these things. But if I don't do it out of love, then really it profits nothing, you know. So the Great Commission unavoidably does involve a pragmatic approach. You know, we need to plan. We need to strategize and so on when we're talking about evangelism. But we must never lose sight of the fact that every time we discuss witnessing, evangelism, missionary work, we are talking about real people for whom Christ died. So our motivation
0: for missions must always be love. Mm. I guess the, the next question there, though, is how do we actually get that love if you don't feel like you've got it at the moment? What's the key? How do you get that compassion that leads to passion for outreach and missions and other people? Yeah, well the the first thing that needs to be said is of course that anything we have in the Christian life
1: is not something that we have produced but something that God produces in us. Uh Christians are never told to produce fruit. We know we bear fruit. Uh we're branches are abiding in the vine and as a result, we experience the life of the vine flowing through us. So the fruit of the spirit is love. So any love that we feel for the lost is an expression of God's own feelings. Towards those who do not know Christ. Now, the next thing that I would say, then, in response to your question, Phil, how do we get this love? How how does uh, Jesus produce that in us? Is that it's not going to happen if we don't get with people. You know, we need to connect with the world around us. We will never have compassion for the world if we don't go to them and, and relate to them. I, I love um, the story of Ezekiel. I don't know if you've studied, you know, the book of Ezekiel, where God sent him to the people of Israel at a time that judgment was just about to fall on them. And, um, you know, he came to them and he was angry with them because of their sins. But then he says this, that he sat where they sat and he remained astonished among them for seven days. I love that. You know, he kind of got amongst them, and I guess it dawned on him. These are real people that God has compassion for. You remember the the story that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan? You know, there was the, the Levite and the priest who passed by, but then there was the Good Samaritan who went to that man that was beaten up. And the Bible says this, when he saw him, he had compassion on him, so he
0: went to him. I love that. That connection with people in the plight of their need. You often don't get an appreciation for where people are at and what they're going through until you actually do that and go spend time with them. Yeah, exactly. You know, Jesus was like that, wasn't he? He ate with publicans and sinners. He
1: he got condemned for it. You know, he got criticized for it. But he just wanted to be amongst them and to to really love on them, you know. And if that means anything, it means that we need to really connect. With those who are lost, someone once said, "Phil, that evangelism for some is the art of extending the gospel at the end of a ten-foot pole." <laughs> but truly, <laughs> you know, uh, biblical evangelism is getting alongside people and loving them into the kingdom of God. And, and sadly, there's a often a disengagement between the church and the world. Yeah, it's fairly evident. Uh, why do you think that is, though? I don't think there's one reason. I think there's several reasons. Um, one or two that I would offer, Phil, is first of all. Uh, what I call isolation theology. You know, the Bible does say come out from among them and be separate, but that's often interpreted as meaning avoid all possible contact with the unsaved. Mm. That's not what the Bible really means by that. So I think we need to get our theology straight about what separation is and what it isn't. But then there's what I call meeting mania. Now, I'm speaking from a perspective uh, of a pastor who's been in pastoring for many, many years,
0: and I think we've got an oversupply of Christian meetings and the like. Yeah. You know, I, often you've got, you know, there's church on Sunday and then there's something on Monday and something on Tuesday and something on Wednesday. And then there's breakfast and this and that and the other <laughs> thing. And before you know it, you don't have any opportunity to engage with other people. Yeah. I, I remember once I was uh, ministering in Malaysia and uh, uh,
1: talking to a Malaysian pastor. And he told me about this pastor in Singapore who had meetings on every morning, afternoon, and evening every single day of of the week. and So when he was asked why he did that, he said, that's just so that the people don't backslide. I thought, well, they might have burnout, but they're not going (laughs) to (laughs) backslide. But seriously, you know, we do have meetings, seminars, conferences, camps, breakfast programs, more meetings, and so on, that we've got no time for unsaved friends Mm. and families and loved ones. Mm. And then, of course, there's just outright disobedience. Jesus said go and we often say come. You know, we think that the gospel is an invitation to come to our meetings, come to our church but he actually said go into all the world and
0: preach the gospel Mm. to every creature. Yeah, interesting distinctive there. We like, we're like we comfortable when people come to us, not yeah. so much when we have to go to them. We're putting something on for them to come to. You know,
1: when I went to Zambia one year, we go every year to Zambia, and part of our mission over there, we go to the prison. Uh, we go to death row. You know, the prisons are on death row, maximum security prison. And one year this guy said, you've come all the way from Australia and, and you've come here to talk to us. He said, we've got people, Christians down the road who have been there for years and they've never once set their feet in the prison. And uh, yeah. he was just overwhelmed by the fact that we came to them where they
0: were. Yeah, I think that's a really important point too. Maybe there's some parts of the church that have been very inward focused and might need to rethink their whole approach to ministry. Is that a fair point?
1: Yeah, look, it, it is important to acknowledge that some churches and Christians are very much in contact and involved with their communities and, and the world around them. But remember that we started by asking the question, how can we get a greater compassion for the lost? And, and one thing for sure is that it's not going to happen if we don't connect with them. You know, we talked about Ezekiel, but there's another one of the Old Testament prophets that I like to look at, and that's Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. and. Uh, He just uh, spent so much time ministering to his people before they went into captivity. And then those that remained in the land afterwards, he just stayed with them. And then they went off down to Egypt, though they were told not to. uh, But he went down after them. He stuck with them. I remember when I was at Bible school, Phil, which is a long time ago now, one of the questions was, Jeremiah's ministry must be regarded as a failure if the ideal of success is what we look at today, that is results. I answered, sure, you know, if that's our ideal for success. But if our true ideal for success is love and faithfulness, then he was a huge success. He loved his people, stuck with them, kept reaching out to them to the very end.
0: practical help on sharing the gospel this week and we'll continue the conversation tomorrow until then remember you don't have to carry that baggage god wants you to be set free
1: for books dvds small group studies and other resources from ken leg and details about ken's ministry visit the vision christian store at vision.org.au that's vision.org.au